Hello, and welcome to Twice Exceptional, teens exploring and living with neurodiversity. I am your host, Kate. I am 16 years old, the middle child of three, and I am a swimmer on my high school swim team. More importantly, I have ADHD and am gifted, making me twice exceptional. I started this podcast because living with ADHD can be difficult, and I wanted to find a way to reach people and share some information from the perspective of a neurodivergent teenager with a neurodiverse sibling. And in this podcast, I discuss my experiences living with ADHD, interview guests, and research different aspects of neurodiversity. For this episode, I got the amazing opportunity to interview Dan, an educator who has personal experience with ADHD. He actually reached out to me through email and asked if he could share his story. And I've had a wonderful time connecting with him, and I hope you enjoy some of his insights. Hi, Dan. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So can you please introduce yourself to the viewers, like your name, your connection to ADHD and neurodiversity and what you do in career-wise? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Dan Schlosser. I am a school counselor. And I myself, I have ADHD comorbid with uh, generalized anxiety disorder. I was diagnosed later in life, particularly with the ADHD. Um, I had the wrong diagnosis for a number of years. So, you know, all those studies when they say it takes seven years, average of seven years to find the right doctor, all that. Yeah, I, I went through a lot of that. Um, I definitely, and, and once I learned about the ADHD, especially later, it was like looking, it, it, you know, you have that that episode of looking back. It's like, yeah. I look, it's like I look back and it's like, check, 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 check check like and then you know what else is uh when you had that interview with mike walker you know he's in his 50s and i'm 47 so he we kind of grew up in the same era a bit and i was like i really connected with that because you know look you mean look at your pot your, your podcast now there's access to information is incredibly different than when i was growing up uh-huh but, but to get back, to bring it back to your question, so I myself have ADHD with generalized anxiety disorder. Mm. What's also helpful though, is that I'm a school counselor. So I'm on the other side of the, I, you know, I jumped to the other side of the desk. I'm mm. now working on it from that side. So I could, you know, I have, I have both, you know, I could, I, I bring it from the educator side as well. Yeah, that's super cool. Cause I think it's kind of important to have people who understand on that side also. Yeah. And, and that's why I said, I'm sorry, I, I haven't worked, gotten up to your uh, episode on the 504s now. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah. Uh-huh. And then, so you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but when did you first hear about ADHD just in general? Because obviously it wasn't talked about quite as much. Correct. Um, honestly, so a while ago, I'm just, you know, that may be prompted to think, but it has been a while. In 1998, from 1998 to 2000, I worked at the National Center for Disability Services, which is now Abilities, and I worked with students with learning disabilities, but mine wasn't diagnosed yet, and that's actually when things started to come out, my problems started to come out, and, you know, I I was standard twice exceptional that I had my issues, but the talent was able to compensate and hide a lot of it. I ended up going to an okay school. Like I did all right. I mean, I got my standard B average. And as long as I got my standard B average, my mom, you know, I was, I was cool. I was able to do whatever. So, but I, I would study for hours and 
feel like I went nowhere and the person next, you know, so it was all that. But mm-hmm. I heard ADHD is when I learned about dyslexia. I learned about all these disorders, but I never learned too much about it. I just, back then it was like, okay, you're just an, you know, a, a jumpy kid or an excited kid. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really deep dive on it. So it was there in the background, but never really did a deep dive on it. Yeah, I get that. Even when I first heard about it, I didn't really know much about what it was. I was just like, oh, okay, that's a thing. Now let's move on. Exactly. That's it. That, that's that's it exactly. It's like, all right, here's, here's one you add to the pile. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so then when were you diagnosed with ADHD and why? I know you already said you were misdiagnosed originally, but... Correct. Um, so it's interesting because back in 2007, mm-hmm. I think back in 2007, um, I experimented it with one of my psychiatrists and we said, you know, look, he's like, maybe I have ADHD. So let's test it out. I tried Stratera. I tried some medications, but I didn't really like them. And, you know, at the time I thought it was, I mean, I do have an anxiety disorder, but I thought it was more obsessive compulsive disorder. That was my uh-huh. original incorrect diagnosis so I was like well if that's the case then why don't we just really treat the anxiety um so I tried a few of them I didn't like it then we I just kind of in other words I kind of like brushed along the side of it tested on a little bit and then let it let it go because I didn't think it was that significant and you know so I kept going down the path of okay OCD and let's keep going down that path um then what happened was you're like probably about five years ago, three or four years ago, I, I really said, you know, and after seeing it at school, you know, I have all these students, I read their IEPs and I'm like, you know, I read the IEPs of students with ADHD and the 504. I'm like, mm, yep, that's me. I'm like, mm, I, uh, yep, yep, I got that one. So I was like, you know what, maybe I need to really uh, deep dive on this. So uh, mm-hmm. I said, all right, you know what? And, and for a long time, I would get these, you know, psychiatrists, look, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just matter of fact, um, first of all, I mean, I have four physicians in my family. I have great respect for physicians and look, educators, physicians, like, you know, we, we all come from our training. We all, as professions, we have blind spots and things we miss and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, so what was happening was I was finding, you know, certain psychiatrists out that I was like, look, I really want to deep dive. And they're like, well, look, we have your diagnosis. So I said, I intentionally wanted to get a resident because I figured residents are young. They're just starting out. They have the newest, the newest now. So, you know, it's a trade-off between you know, experience, but new knowledge. So they had the new knowledge and I signed up at a resident resident clinic and I was seen by a resident. She's great. And she really, you know, sure enough, she was in training. She's wants to start out, wants to learn. And she's already expecting to just spend a lot of time on each case. So, and that's what I needed. That's what I really needed. Someone who just was going to lock a lot of time into my case and mm-hmm. went through everything. And we, she changed my diagnosis to generalized anxiety disorder, which made a, which once I you know studied up on that made made a lot more sense yeah and and two then we experimented with the ADHD he says okay I took and I'm uh, and you know I'm also and and look and on my part you know older and wiser I'm more sophisticated I'm older and wiser so look I'm really committing to this process so I actually mindfully tried the medication and paid attention to what was going on and I had told her I said you know, if, if this is me normally, like picture mm-hmm. like a graph going up and down, up and down, you know, it's like much more tighter waves. And so she's like, yep, that's it. Cause, and you know, that, that to me is the other interesting thing about psychiatry. 
you know, to me in in or sorry, let me let me rephrase that. Physical medicine. Look, let's say let's say you break your finger, right? You, you break your finger. Just, it, you have symptoms. It swells up. It's pain. You, you go to you go to the emergency room. They take an they take an image of it. Then they make a diagnosis and they give you the treatment plan. So it's one, two, three, four. It's like signs and symptoms, test, treatment. You know, test treatment. You know, test diagnosis treatment. What I found interesting about psychiatry was, A, there's no, like, I can't stick my head in a machine and they go, oh, yep, ADHD. You know, there's no, like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's no head, uh -huh. head in. I mean, I'm sure there is, but for studying, I mean, look, you got MRIs and all that. I get it. But anyway, so it's like symptoms, right? I'm missing meetings. I'm flaking out. I'm all over the place and all the symptoms. And then it's like, okay, well, let's try then the treatment. So we would try treatments and then what, whichever treatment worked gave a lot of insight as to what, what the issue was. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was interesting because, uh, especially with my ADHD, the treatment preceded diagnosis. In other words, you try a treatment and if it works, it was like, okay, that's it. Yeah. So it's, in, you know, I just I, find that's an interesting thing for me. It's kind of different. Yeah. Than a lot of other stuff in that way and sometimes it makes it more difficult but yep. yeah um do you have any specific stories that you feel like really show what it's like to live with ADHD obviously there's a large variety of things you can talk about here of course of course um I, I like it. come on I know you're not so and, and, you know and it's interesting also because sometimes is it my ADHD or is it an anxiety is it both mm -hmm. yeah uh, you know, when I was younger, I was like, you ever watch South Park? A yeah. little bit. Right. Not that much. You ever see the character Tweak? I was like that a good when I was younger. And, you know, and I, I, like, I couldn't decide. My friends were like, look, we're, we're going to go to the deli. We're like, we can't go to school. And I'd be all anxious. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, with the, with the time, I get usually with a lot with the, with the time, as you know, sometimes I lose track of time a bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, if I don't write, you know, I have to write, like I just went to the to supermarket earlier and on my phone now. I have to keep super organized. Like I had you on my calendar and I've, and it, 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 you know, if it's not, I would double book, double book, forget. Yeah, so yeah. A, lot of, a lot of the stereotypical, um, you know, those, those issues. Yeah. I, yeah. I get that. I also have anxiety as well. And sometimes those can cause extra stress. Sometimes it like is weird though. Cause something I've noticed for me as we've been working on, Treating the anxiety is now I tend to procrastinate more on stuff now that I'm not worried about stuff quite as much. So it had like a paradoxical effect. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it, it's interesting. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but That's yeah. So I feel like those are interesting combines. And time blindness, of course, is always kind of interesting in that regard. And I know I tend to like try to overcommit myself a lot to a lot of different things if I don't have it written down that I have something going on then. Yep. Um, how has ADHD helped you in your career or in school or whatever? That's a great question. So first, I mean, it's helped me. I just wish I understood it better back then because I really could have leveraged it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the one good thing, there were two good things that I did inherently and actually uh -huh. I knew something wasn't right so I was always kept looking like I just knew something wasn't right like and you know people say oh you're just anxious oh you just I'm like mm, something's not right like, um so that so I always kept looking and trying to figure out what's going on 
The other thing is I always kind of gravitate, you know, I know Mike Walker talked about this too. I gravitated towards things that captured my interest and mm -hmm. genuinely interested in that would do, which was to me was always, you know, helping and uh, that's why I love counseling and what it just works. And what, what's really good is I ended up working in alternative education and, and you know, as I've discovered too, I'm an alternative student myself mm -hmm. and it works really well because there's a lot of change, a lot of change and a lot of things change rapidly. They could send me to one, they'll send me to one site and then mid-year they'd be like, listen, this facility is closing. We need you to go over here or we're opening a new thing over here. You know, mm -hmm. most people freak out and I'm like, all right, I'll go over here. I'll learn something. And look, you know, the only time it upsets me is like when I have long going relationships with students and there's a, an abrupt cut, it's not good for them. It's, it's upsetting, but, but to get back to your question is it, I, I'm good at shifting on the fly. They say, all right, go here. And then they say, oh no, you don't know what? We just opened up a new, look, we, uh, someone, someone's out for a month on disability. We need you to cover for them. Go over here from, sure, no mm -hmm. problem. I, I can, I can shift. And, and, and it's been said to me by supervisors that, you know, and they always say, look at this, this type of job, it's known for a lot of change. And they say, you, you know, you, you shift and roll with it well. Mm -hmm. That's kind of important, yeah. And yeah. then, of course, discovering what you're good at, which a lot of times happens before the diagnosis, I feel like. Yeah. And then shifting gears slightly, has there been any significant struggles in relation with the ADHD? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, at the time, I, absolutely. At the time, I didn't realize, you know, I knew I was, I knew it, you know, at the time, I didn't realize that that was the, primarily the genesis of the problem. Um, you, or, or, you know, so look at, I know you discussed it, you're having your episode, uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria. Yes. You know, emotional dysregulation, right? Like I, in other words, I didn't, I couldn't understand what was going on. So, you know, I know that the term disability is contentious. It's mm -hmm. loaded. I, and some of us may, some of us may identify with it. Some of us may not. You could say, look, there's both sides. It depends. Well, to me, you know, if you want to go for the definition of disability is it impairs, it impairs functioning in one or more life domains, right? School, work, relationships, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And, and you know, I had, I had a lot of trouble with dating and relationships because I was just, my friend said it, he goes, look, you can overwhelm people because I would be too intense or I, you know, and he's like, look, you can overwhelm people just be, <laughs> and I know, and, it, and it's tough because I try mm -hmm. so, you know, now, now that I understand what everything is, obviously I'm way better at it. Um, I guess it'll be there for a bit, but I'm now, you know, once I know what the, what the beast is, I can deal with it. Mm -hmm. But, but back, back when I was younger, especially, especially before I really knew, it was causing a lot of problems. Like I was having trouble with keeping a relationship. Um, you know, to me, like friends, I was always great at keeping friends and I was always good with friends, but I know I overwhelmed some friends. So I would, you know, inherently, I would just naturally keep a large group of friends so that in case I started knowing one person too much, I, I could go to another, like, okay, I think, mm -hmm. I think I need to leave this person alone for a little bit. I'm gonna, and I'm yeah. like, I'll go over here. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, but but like I said, primarily, and work, with work too, I was missing meetings. I mean, it was, it was significantly affecting in a, in a negative way my ability to work and my ability to form you know, intimate partner relationships. So that was, you know, now I've gotten way better at both. Um, mm. Now, you know, also just time and wisdom and working on it, plus knowing what it is. So yeah, especially earlier on, it was definitely, 
big challenges with work and picking careers and, and like I said, staying focused to work and, and forming intimate relationships and, and how to manage that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel oh. like that's one part that probably needs to be addressed slightly more is the like social aspects of ADHD and how it can be difficult with friendships and relationships because like there's multiple reasons it can be difficult because part of it is like forgetfulness part of it is like the intensity of stuff or like all of those combined and so like it can cause a lot of problems in that especially if they don't understand exactly and and, and you nailed it too because let's just just the forgetfulness right like I would forget, I would, I'd be dating a woman, I'd forget we were supposed to go out to dinner. And I'm like, she's like, where are you? I'm like, oh, dear, good Lord. <laughs> you know, she's like, we're going to dinner. I'm like, oh, oh right, of course. All right. She's like, you forgot. I'm like, nah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, wait, I was, then I like made her another friend, a plan with another friend. And it's like, you know, of course it's going to end. She's, she's not, she's not wrong. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, yep, you got it. Yeah. And then what part of ADHD do you personally think needs to be addressed more and why? Because there's a lot of parts, so. You know, it's interesting. I think ADHD is becoming the new dyslexia. When I was young or even 20s, like dyslexia was, it was all, they were really raising awareness of dyslexia. Look, this is a real condition, this is a neurological condition that they're not making it up. <laughs> It causes these things. And, you know, then they started showing. And I, I went to these seminars and they would show, like, speaking of sticking your head in the machine, they would show the MRI. Look, this is the MRI of a, and, and, and rather, so where is, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, I believe, has dyslexia because now, now the New York City school system, everyone's screening for dyslexia and, and things like that. I wish, mm-hmm. I wish he would expand it to, to all learning disabilities because, speaking of which, I think we should have more screening. Yeah. So, to, get, to directly answer your question, I think raising awareness and raising screening, um, those are the biggest things because it goes, you know, you, you, you've talked to, and I 100% agree with you, which we all, a lot of us do, of course, the stigma and the misunderstanding, you know, and you, you may, and I hear this all, listen, I was reading, um, I follow along with the stories and narratives with ADHD, the magazines, and there was a, a person with ADHD was saying they went to healthcare practitioner and maybe a nurse practitioner or something and they were said and they were like I have ADHD and she's like well, you know what not people with ADHD can't read or something you know some healthcare practice you know it's like mm-hmm. there's still so much misunderstanding and like you said it yourself when you're like they were shocked when you're doing so well how do you have ADHD look you're 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 you're, you're acing school mm-hmm. <laughs> it's they're not they're not contradictory yeah <laughs> so I, I think you know like I said we still for as advanced as we are, it, it seems we are still even educated. Let me tell you something, the teachers too, at work, educators, counselors, counselors. Now I know so much just because I come from the disabilities world before I joined, A, having one myself, and B, mm-hmm. I worked specifically in the, in the disabilities world before I became a school counselor. And even school counselors, like, you know, it's a lot of, still a lot of misconceptions and yeah. misunderstanding. And, you know, I just think we need to, we need to raise awareness. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely a lot of stigma with stuff. Even you mentioned earlier, my interview with Celeste, even when she was talking to the school counselor, the school counselor was like, no, you can't have autism. And she's like, well, I do. So like people try their best, but I feel like more education and 
more like screening would be very helpful, especially like at like pediatricians offices and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's, and you know, that that's the exact between teachers and pediatricians. Those are usually, those are probably the two, the two best frontline professions to uh, spot and identify the, these mm-hmm. potential issues. So, I mean, really we need to, you know, get that, get that going and quick shout out to your friend Celeste, by the way, I, I loved her, uh, what she said about uh, Asperger's. I, I don't know if I knew that. I don't think I knew that about the perspective of it. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so yes, it, we have to increase awareness, especially in the most, in the professions that have the, mo- the most front row seats to it. Yeah. I would agree, especially in school, but probably also the workplace environment, just because there's a lot of people with a lot of different things out there. So being aware of that would probably be helpful there too. Correct. And, and to me, you know, especially as an educator and as a person, but as an educator, to me, that's a failure of the education system because in my strong opinion, the, the purpose of educating, look, school, high school, like it, it's, it's to prepare people for, to become productive workers and citizens, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, if someone gets as far as work, that means the school, like we, we missed it as educators mm-hmm. and we missed it as school because I, in, an, in an ideal world, which we all know we're extremely far from, <laughs> The, the it, it would have been addressed and, and people would be explained, look, this is what's going on. This is, you know, here's some tools to deal with it. Let's work through it. And then by the time they got to work, they would already know this is my situation. I know how to deal with it. I don't have to deal with that now. I can focus on my job. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's an ideal world, but like you, you know, as you of course correctly point out, we go, I mean, look, I made it through, you know, um, and, and that's an issue too, because then you, you know, then the 504 is even that can extend to the work too. We have workplace accommodations, mm-hmm. the whole issue of, especially at work, you know, that they'll be like, look, I'm not here to be, I'm not your school counselor, I'm your boss. You know, I'm not your teacher, I'm your, uh, you know, I just get the work done, get the job done. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe you have a sympathetic or empathetic supervisor, maybe you don't. Um, you know, I know, I've learned that and it makes complete sense that a lot of people with ADHD end up becoming entrepreneurs for a number of reasons one is you know one is just the ability to, to think and shift the, the kind like what makes a good entrepreneur somebody who thinks differently and, and sees things differently and who can shift and who can shift and adapt mm. speaking of people with ADHD tend to see things differently see opportunities and shift and adapt so for that from that perspective number two you know I, I can work better at night than it so in some ways people with ADHD work better with structure in other ways just can't fit the standard structure. So if you can't fit the standard structure, what are you going to do? You have to hire yourself because if you can't if you can't fit a standard structure that an average employer is going to be okay with, what do you do? Well, you hire yourself. You start your own business. Mm-hmm. So I think you know that's a, that's one that's one important aspect. Yeah, I would agree. So in some ways, structure is helpful, but in some ways, it can be a little bit difficult to work with. And so it's just trying to find that balance. And a lot of times I feel like as you get older, people with ADHD probably tend to navigate towards jobs that interest them more just because like that'll help them get it done. Yep. And, 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 and you said, what was it? Your other friend, um, I was just listening. Uh, what, what's her name? She's the looking back. Uh, Leanne. Yeah. 
Leanne, Leanne, she was saying it too. She was like, you know, and, and Mike and Mike said, my boy, you know, if they're not interested, and, and I had the same, I, that's one thing I could relate to too. If I don't find something interesting, it's really tough for me to pay attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, if it's like, was it you who said it or is it Leanne? Was it, but like, if you don't like the teacher, if you're not, it, it, that's it. Checked out, done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, and, and, and I think that's what you, you get to because we want to feel productive. We want to be engaged. And so, like you said, as we go, and once we start finding out what we're really into, then we just really start going with it. Mm -hmm. And then back to the questions a little bit. So do you tell people you have ADHD and have you faced any stereotypes because of that? Because we already talked a little bit about stigma, but like stereotypes are slightly different. Yep. You, of course, you're, you're, you're spot on again. You know, self-disclosure, right? Mm -hmm. So self-disclosure, it depends on when and why and then how. Versus like, when do you do it? Why am I doing it? And how? And, and to me, those are the three most important questions, right? Um, you know, does it... See, it's a tough call because let's say I'm dating someone, right? And we go on a few dates and I, I'll mention it. Now, does she have all these stigmas? And there, you know, am I going to have to sit here and be the education committee for ADHD? And, you know, is it going to cause some problems for me? Do I just wait and see if she notices something? So it, it it's really depends. It really does depend. Um, you know, of course, with you, considering this, I'm like straightforward. Hi, I'm dead. I have ADHD. I have can I, yes. you know, different so, situation now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, am I going to work? I've never disclosed it at work up front. If I did, it's down the line. Um, maybe it'll be down the line when they're like, ah, oh, this kid can't do anything. They have ADHD. And I'm like, well, and then, you know, you know, to me, it's look, I'm also Jewish, right? And in, in a way, Jewish could be a hideable status. You know, in a way that sometimes they say being homosexual could be a hideable, you know what I mean by the hideable status, right? You, um, st status. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. Status. When they say status, you don't mean status like hierarchy. Oh, you are. Uh. Status is just a thing like male. That's a status. You're male, mm -hmm. female, you're non binary, uh, you know, whatever you identify, you identify as black, right? you know different things are status you really so oh man i got distracted i love it um so oh yeah yeah. so so what my set so they'll say all right this kid at, at work has adhd and you know what they can't i'm like then i may oh that's what i was saying so you know look i'm jewish right now and a lot of people wouldn't know because i don't i'm not stereotypic outwardly i'm not outwardly stereotypical. so they may they may make comments i hate jews i did and then I'm like, well, just, you know, I'm Jewish, Mike, but, you know, um, and look, we've all had, you know, sometimes it, is it innocent, ignorance, you know, for me, it's a quick side story, quick side note, it's important to, my opinion, it's important to differentiate innocent ignorance with malicious intent. Um, so now coming back, so they'll say, oh, you know, this kid, uh, can they do that? They have ADHD. I'm like, well, you know, special ed and you know, having an IP and, and not being counted are two very different, are two distinct things. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say, look, I have, I, I have ADHD, you know, I'm doing really well. And I do have, I would have very good reviews on the job and I'm respected. And I'd say, look, I, oh, all right. And, you know, in that case, I'm disclosing to illustrate that, you know, that this, that that's an old stereotype. So, and in that case, you want to just, you know, meet it with education. 
because that's innocent, what I would call innocent ignorance. And look, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been innocently ignorant myself. And that's how I've been. Someone else said, hey, you know, that you're not right. And so, I, you know, look, I would want the same respect when I make a mistake. So kind of give it out that way. Um, so that's mm-hmm. one. So like I said, so with the dating, it, it would depend on the situation, how it's coming out, what I do. Um, with with work, I won't disclose unless it's a specific issue or, or there's a need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, I don't think I've really ever told a student because it's never really come up. And, you know, and if I do disclose, and, and especially with the students, it's 100% about is it in their benefit or not? Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not about me. It's not yeah, about... I get- I'm sorry. What? No, no. no. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's not about me. In other words, if I think it'll benefit a student to say, "Look, I have this," and listen, I'm living a very productive life. I'm getting old. You just need to learn, and then I would do it because if it, now now that I'm older and wiser. But so, like I said, it's very situation and reason reason dependent. I just want to give you a few different a few different scenarios of how and why I would disclose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it just kind of depends on the situation. I feel like I'm relatively open about mine compared to some people, but like there's a balance for everyone. So, right, and 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 it's uh, yeah. like you said, you feel like very you are literally plastered on the internet. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I would consider that open. Yeah, but not that many people that I know personally are aware of my podcast. Honestly, really, so, interesting. Some of them are. I've like posted about it before. It's just not something I talk about frequently. Well, you know, and and, and 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 listen, I commend you and I agree with because I've had this conversation too, right? One of my friends is a physician and we, we've had this conversation too. And it's about people with professional identities and personal identities. And, you know, we would say like there are certain people, they, they get a disease or they get or their profession, whatever. It's they're a lawyer they're, and it's their entire identity, right? Their disease is their entire identity. Their profession is their entire You know, how much do you want to make? You know, to me, I just want to keep it as one part. It's just one part that makes up who I am. And, you know, furthermore, in terms of my identity, I also don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. You know, it's like, so I, I really appreciate what you're saying because, mm-hmm. you know, a number of times now you've mentioned balance and, you know, well-rounded. So I, I really appreciate it. It's so cool. I feel like m- most of my friends probably know I have ADHD because I've mentioned it, but like, there, I do a lot of other stuff outside of school because I'm a very busy person. So like I have a lot of other stuff going on. I can't make this my entire identity anyway because I'm a swimmer. I'm in scouts. I do other stuff. So like I have a lot of stuff going on. Good. Good. No, that's great. You got your game on. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to ask you about 504s and IEPs and stuff because you've worked with them a little bit more and I was just curious like if you have any thoughts about any of that what can make it better do you like the way it is set up now yeah okay that's an entire podcast that's an entire (laughs) itself you know that's a that's a giant can of worms because there's look there's a we all know there's a giant gap look there's a giant gap between school and real life right here's mm-hmm. you could, i don't care what your i don't care what your profession is look i, I last year i took a plumbing class we could sit here we could learn everything correct in plumbing class but once i'm on a job site well it, it, it's a you know it's a different animal um 
so getting back to your you know IEPs and 504s, in an ideal world, they're supposed to work a certain way. In the real world, it ends up coming out in all kinds of ways. The one, well, first of all, you know about the concept. I was, all right, let me put it out there and then I'll come back. The most, the absolute most important aspect is self-advocacy and, and really owning their situation. And that's what yes. I want kind of hard one at. Coming back is that, you know, the, the, you know, the concept of least restrictive environment, right? Yes. Okay. So when you're doing, you know, when you're doing, when you're trying to decide between IEP 504, the, the, when you're dealing with special ed, the, the underlying fundamental concept that we kind of want to be guided by is least restrictive environment. You want to do, in other words, you, it's a gauge, right? You don't want to over put in, you don't want to build more, like a 504 is like, okay, look, you just have this issue. You don't need a whole workup. You just need this little accommodation here. Maybe you get to step out during, you know, separate location during tests. Maybe you get extra time. That's mm -hmm. all you need. You don't need a whole workup. Okay. You know, we, you could try that or another student, maybe they need a lot more evaluate. You no, know, we need more evaluation. We need to figure out what's going on. You need a bit more comprehensive support. You, you, you know, your situation needs the comprehensive support of an IEP. Mm -hmm. Now it's a bit, bit more of a production, a bit more formal. And so that that's kind of to me how I differentiate 504 from IEP. And like I said, you always want to keep be mindful of the concept of least restrictive environment. You don't want to overburden, you don't want to overburden. I mean, think, you know, you know, you don't want to overburden, you don't want to, but you also don't want to under support. So it's about it's about finding the right the right match mm -hmm. uh, speaking of stigma but see the issue becomes and we we talk about this at work you know we talk about this work the problem is labels right on the one hand you know on the one hand we don't want to get caught up in labels on the other hand we need labels you know to, to get paid we need labels just to manage the system so what happens is on ieps if someone has adhd it could be or anxiety disorder, it could be coded certain things. If it's coded, it could be coded as an emotional disorder. It could be coded as a learning disability. And what we always, you know, if you can, and, and, I, and there's enormous stigma around that code of emotional disability. And especially people who don't know, I'm like, because, you know, I, I deal with this. I have to help kids find new schools. And if that has that code of ED, they, they, they you know, a lot of schools think the kid's going to burn down the school. Kids gonna get by like the, you know, there's a lot of yeah. that's a very loaded code. Um, you know, and I, I know a number of colleagues, I have a colleague, you know, and I, I have a colleague who has a child with that had an IP and I was like, it was anxiety, depression, it was something, and then they were gonna put emotional disability. And he was like, mm, he or she was like, Nope, you're putting learning disability. Um, I'm not gonna, and you know, that that's the so that's mm -hmm. You know, that's what I said. This could be an entire episode itself and then some. So to, to answer the question, though, is that's why it's critically important to understand your own. And, and it's tough because, look, we have different levels of sophistication. I mean, mm -hmm. you're clearly on the very sophisticated level and you have, you know, you have means, you have sophisticated, you know, you have sophisticated parents with means and resources. What, mm -hmm. what happens, you know, what happens? And this is where, you know, why I'm really sensitive to it what happens with students who have 
one parent and that parent, you know, first of all, they're financially struggling and the parents working like 24 hours a day. They mm-hmm. can't show up to this. They can't show up to the school meetings. And it's not that they, it's not that they don't care. They care greatly, but if they have a job where, you know, they don't have a, they don't have, they don't have it, you know, they have a job where if they take off, they're going to get fired. Mm-hmm. So they're in a, they're in a really crappy spot. Show up to, show up to your kid's school to advocate for your kid and, or get fired. These are your choices. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then, and then two, what if they, what if the, and, and it has nothing to do, you know, educated and smart are two different things, but let's yeah. say they come from, let's say they come from another country, right? Exactly. Well, let's say they come from another country and they weren't educated here. They don't, they're not going to understand the system so much. And if you don't understand the system in general, you, you, you're at a huge disadvantage. So then it's important. And, and, and it's important to understand that too. You know, what do I know? What do I not know? Which oftentimes we often don't know, but then it's important to, to reach out to an organization that will, that has that. And there are, there are many organizations out there. There are parent groups. And it's, I, that's another thing I want to stress. Don't, don't go it alone. People mm-hmm. have been here and done this before. before. 90, 99, listen, I'm a school counselor. I've worked with all kinds of juvenile detention, drug rehab, I, all these things. And, you know, even some of the most intense problems in our society, unfortunately, there's usually been someone who's been down that road before you. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, it's like like I'm not the I'm nowhere near the first person to have ADHD and anxiety. So, yeah. so I could sit here on an island by myself trying to figure everything out, or I could ask people who've done it before me that are good at it. And you know, that's that's kind of what I'm saying too. Is if you know, if you don't understand the five before process, if you don't understand, you know, the IEPs, we had. You ever hear the term jailhouse lawyer? Have you ever Maybe. heard that? <laughs> no, no, just tell me that's fine. It's like so. What, what they mean with jailhouse lawyers? What they call as jailhouse lawyers? Like these, you know, there's some prisoners that are just really sharp, and since they have all this time, they just sit there reading all these law books and they figure out everything. And then all the other prisoners come to them like, "Hey, how do I, how do I work my parole here?" And they just—they're not really lawyers, but they're just—they got so good from just sitting there studying the crap out of it with their natural ability. So where I'm going with that is, you know, there are parent groups, and some of these parents—they just. You know, like say, especially if they have a spouse who can work full time while they, while they, you know, while the kids at school, then they're sitting there just studying, studying, and they get so good at it. They go to all mm-hmm. the IP. They'll go with, they'll go with another parent's child to, to the meeting. And you know, that's another thing too. With speaking of getting good at the system, the, according to the IEP rules, the child can bring anyone to the IEP meeting with them, so they can bring an advocate. So if if they if the child says, at least in New York, I'm in New York State. Uh-huh. So so if the child says, look, let's say someone's neighbor, some the lady down the block, she's a mother, she has a kid with a disability, and she just got, she's just naturally sharp and just got really good at it. So the kid can bring, you know, the neighbor from down the block and they can't say no. Like, oh no, I want to bring that, I want to bring my neighbor Nancy. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. and and that's what I'm saying too. Is it, and that's why it's important to be just, it's okay to ask for help. It's it's sophisticated to ask for help. So if you don't have those resources or you don't have that sophistication, excuse me, sorry, there was a, a reminder came up mm-hmm. uh, appropriately. Uh, so it, it's important to find someone who does have that knowledge who can guide and assist you and make sure, you know, make sure it's going correctly. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. That kind of leads into my next question, which is how can friends and family members provide support for you? Because like, obviously everyone needs different forms of support. I, I know that from personal experience and a lot of parents and friends, they try to provide support. Like I know my mom and dad have both done a lot of work on trying to figure things out. It's just, how do you do it? 
Right. No, that's again, that's an excellent question. And it does look different for everyone. Um, you know, for me, it was like once I fit, and, and, and this goes again, why we have to, which you, which we've discussed, you have to know yourself because if you know yourself, then you can explain it's much easier to, in other words, if we know ourselves, we know what our strengths are, we know where we need some help, then we can specifically say, look, I need a little help with this. Listen, just so you know, sometimes I have trouble keeping track of time. If you don't mind, just, you know, back, look, you're not, you're not responsible. Like, you know, I, I always joke, I'm like, you're entirely responsible for my behavior. You know, that's, a, you know, that's, I mean, you know, that's my joke. Cause it's true though. Sometimes you don't want, you don't want people to feel burdened. Like they're, they're responsible for keeping me in line. It's like, no, I'm, I'm responsible for keeping me in line. Just be aware that that if if certain things happen, I may just miss certain things. I don't mean harm by it. I just may may miss certain things. And please understand, I mean well. Just please check with me and let me know. Um, another thing that's been very helpful for me, what's cool is my family. They won't. They also won't let me use it as an excuse. Look, there are some times where I'm just wrong. Like let's be honest. That's that's part of being human. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to say mm-hmm. dumb things. I'm going to do something stupid. Like, and then I can't, and then I'll try, oh, that was my, no, that was you. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I apologize. So, and, and that's good too, because on the one hand, it, it won't, you know, my friends and family won't let me use it as, like, if it's legit, it's legit, but if it's not, I'll get called down and I can't use yeah. it as, a, as an excuse. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about, or do you think that's good? Let me check my we kind of touched on a lot of the other topics like stigma, self-advocacy, owning yeah. our own situations, uh, establishing a support network. Um, no, I guess I know for you, I know you're doing the gender one. If you can look into like, do boys get in trouble more? Because, you know, a lot of times the boys act out, you get in trouble. So mm-hmm. it's, I used to get in trouble with, you know, instead of looking at it as a problem, I would just get in trouble. Um, I get it. Yeah, my brothers probably had more issues getting in trouble in school than I have. Yeah, so that, that's a curious thing. And do you know that I know that they say that, you know, I don't know if there was a lot of research about uh, undiagnosed ADHD, people have a 10 year shorter lifespan or something, and there's all kinds of stuff going in. It's, it's really I've never heard that, but <laughs> yeah, I could send you some links on that. There's a lot, there's a lot, uh-huh. lot to deep dive on this, but uh, no, just the, just the one thing I really just as you you already do this so i'm just piling on with the self-advocacy and uh, really understanding your own situation all right well thank you thank, thank you i appreciate your work and thanks for having me if you would like to share your story or if you have any questions for me please reach out at twice exceptional podcast at gmail.com Also, check out the podcast on TikTok and Instagram at twice underscore exceptional podcast. I would love to hear from you.